Luke chapter 22 and verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. But when you are converted, after you have stumbled, after you have fallen, after you have failed, I want you to strengthen the brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee, both into prison and death. And he said, I tell you, Peter, rooster shall not crow this day. Before that you will three times deny me. By the help of the Holy Ghost, I just want to preach, teach, talk, minister on this simple subject. Hell has a rooster, but heaven has a wind. Hell has a rooster, but heaven has a wind. Can you lift up your hands all across this house one more time? Can you lift up your voice? God, I thank you for every single God-called individual in this house. I thank you for every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl. I thank you for the destiny that is permeating in this house. I thank you, oh God, for what you are about to accomplish. And God, yet again, we take dominion and authority over everything human or hellish that would oppose the work of your spirit in this house. Even now, let it be done. Let it be so in the name of Jesus. Would you say the name of Jesus? Would you shout the name of Jesus? And if you really believe that prayer, I want you to clap your hands unto the Lord. Why don't you lift up your voice and add a tone of triumph? Could I dare you just to do that for 10 to 15 more seconds? and send a signal to the spirit world. Come on, somebody let heaven hear you for just a moment. Somebody let the adversary hear you for just a moment. Somebody push past the routine. Push past the protocol. Push past the norm. Turn to your neighbor and tell them hell has a rooster, but heaven has a wind. God bless you, and you can be seated. Jesus had looked at Peter and said, upon this rock will I build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What was this rock that the Lord was going to build his church? church on. It, it could not be Peter for he was Petra. He was just a piece of the rock. But Jesus looked at him and said, I'm not going to build the church on who you are. I'm going to build my church on what you have. 
can I just take the pressure off of you? You don't need to be phenomenal. You don't need to be famous. You don't need to have it all together. You just got to leave Wins Conference with something in your spirit that says, let me just be a piece. I don't have to be everything, but let me be a part of what you're doing in this end time hour. I don't have to get the credit, but let me be in the arena of apostolic authority that is marching forward in this time. Upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. And I'm going to allow you to be a piece. I'm going to allow you to have a part in what I am doing. He was called. He was anointed. He had destiny and potential permeating through his life. And yet, Jesus would look at him and say, Simon, Simon, perhaps calling forth his old nature, Satan has desired. Literally saying, Satan has begged. He has, he, he, he has asked. He has prayed to have you. You want to know what the prayers of hell sound like? They want you. If you didn't think you were a threat to hell, let me remind you uh, in this morning session, uh, Satan uh, has a prayer uh, and it's called uh, you. He wants to take your piece uh, of revival uh, out of end time harvest. He wants to take uh, your role, uh, your gifting, uh, your ministry. Jesus said, I have prayed for you. He said, Satan has, Satan has prayed for you. And in reality, I find it significant because that word you there is plural. Satan didn't just want Judas. He wanted somebody else. He wanted to break apart and dissipate the unity of the brethren and the unity of Hell does not just want you, he wants the person beside you. He wants your spouse, he wants your grandparents, he wants your neighbors, he wants the barista at Starbucks, he wants the waiter at Chili's, he wants your professor. He... But Jesus says, I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. Satan wants you. He's begging for you. He's asking for you. Judas is not enough. And you know what he wants to do? He wants to sift you as wheat. Denoting that while Jesus sees the desires and the prayers of Satan, he also sees the ingredients and elements that are within Peter that are great. For to sift is to take wheat and to drive the chaff from it. And so while hell is hoping that Peter identifies with the chaff and he separates himself from the unity of the brothers, Jesus speaks to him and says, Satan wants you. He desires to sift you. But I'm letting you know right now, there's wheat on the inside of you. There's greatness on the inside of you there's potential so I pray I've prayed 
that your faith would not fail. But when you are converted, and when you repent, and when you turn back, I want you to know that you need to strengthen the brothers. I, I, I wish I could tell you, I wish I could, I, I could take you through the story of how the Lord began to deal with me. I, I, I wish I, I could just tell you my, my, my small snippet in this great story that, that God is writing for all of our lives. But I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this, I, I remember being an 11-year-old boy. And my, my, my brain and my memory is just a little foggy, but I'm pretty for sure it was at a closer and close conference in Dallas, Texas. And I'm almost certain, Brother Morgan, you were the one preaching. And I, I remember being in that audience, and I was an 11-year-old boy, and the Lord spoke to me. And he said, I, I, I want you to go pray for that man with the cane. And when you pray for him, he's not going he, to need that cane any longer. I remember standing, I remember staring until I was frozen in fear. And I said, <laughs> mm. and I remember watching and I remember waiting. And it was, it was you or somebody else that they stopped preaching. And they looked at that man and they called him forward. They said, the Lord's getting ready to heal you. Prayer was made over him and that man walked out without the use of his cane. And I stood there as an 11-year-old boy taking inventory and learning a few lessons. The first lesson was this, when God speaks to you, it's God. I said, when God speaks to you, it's God speaking to you. And the second voice you're going to hear is the voice of humanity as you second guess and you hesitate. And the third voice you're going to hear is the accuser of the brethren as he brings negativity onto your doubt and pours water on your faith. Second, second lesson I learned is that, that God wants to use everybody. God wants to use me. God wants to use you. But while God so desperately craves to use me, he will not be limited by me. So I remember, I remember watching and I remember, I remember seeing what had happened. And I, I wish I could tell you that I, I surged forward in faith, but I don't have time to share all the details. But I, I remember trying it out. I remember walking into a Chipotle uh, uh, restaurant and, and there was a man with oxygen. And I said, you know what, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just see, I'm going to see if I have a, a, enough faith. And so I walked, to him, walked up to him and I said, sir, do, do you mind if I, if I pray for you? And he said, no, I don't believe in prayer. I said, well, I just, he said, no. It wasn't the devil talking to me. It wasn't a demonic attack. It, 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 it wasn't anything major. But for a young boy, I felt the insecurity and the rejection and the fear. And I walked away, and it was not until years later that I stepped into a service, and God said, tonight, I'm going to start this revival with the healing of a left leg. Now see, that's not real big to you. That's not the dead being raised. But for me, I, 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 I had a flashback to being frozen in fear and wanting to be used by God. But I had not stepped out. And, and when I did, I felt rejected and I, I couldn't figure it all out. I was fumbling around. I was, I was failing my way through this thing called being more for God. But I remember. I remembered. And I said, God, I'm not going to miss this opportunity. And I, I remember I was in a small East Texas church, and I walked in, and I'm, I'm looking, and I'm ready. And there she was. She's on the front row. Lady had a cane. 
It just took a lot for me to do, but I walked up and I said, I, I believe the Lord wants to heal you tonight. She said, I believe it too. I said, can you tell me what, what you would like the Lord to heal? I said, this is it. She said, I, 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 I've got issues and I've got pain and I've got health concerns in my left leg. I said, okay, God. I'm just a young dude. I'm, I'm just trying to figure all this out. And so I said, I, I, I want to I pray for you. Can I pray for you? And so I took her by the hand. And you know what I had realized? I had realized that, that you can have faith but still be wise. Faith is not theatrics. Faith is not a personality. Faith is not just being a sanguine, an outgoing person. God confirms his word, not your personality trait. God confirms his word. So I took her by the hand and I said, God, by the power of your word, and I pray you touch this lady and heal her. And I, it was all messed up and I was going all over the place. And all of a sudden I remembered and I realized, as soon as I stopped praying, we're going to see what has happened or hasn't happened. So I kept on praying. In the name of Jesus, I pray you would do it. Oh, God, have mercy on her family. God, heal her dog. God, I, I pray you bless her family. God, let the IRS bring her back a blessing. At the... In the name of Jesus, amen. And I realize you've got to have just as much faith to end the prayer as when you began the prayer. Because when you say amen, it's not time to run and hide. But it's time to see what the Lord has just done. And if you're worried about your reputation, you're going to run off to the foyer, get a little snack and head home. But if there's something on the inside of you that just says, I believe, if he said he can do it, he'll do it. You'll stick around to see what he did. But you can still be wise. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I mean, maybe your faith tells you to do that, but I didn't feel like taking her cane and throwing it through the window. I said, I said, would you mind just standing? Oh, that's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Would you mind just taking a step? Oh, that's wonderful. Hey, hey, you, you want to try it without the cane? And so she put the cane down and we're holding hands and it's getting awkward. I'm like, you want to walk by yourself? And all of a sudden she started walking until all of a sudden she started running. She began to take off through that. <laughs> the dead wasn't resurrected, but my faith was resurrected. And as a young, tall, scrawny boy with acne, I said, God can do it. God can do it. Oh, I'm going to say it again. The dead wasn't resurrected, but my faith was resurrected. I was tall, skinny, awkward, had acne, but I said, I saw it. He did it for me. I can be a part of this. I don't have to be the whole foundation, but I can be a piece in God's end time revival. And I soon learned a lesson. I would have rather pray for 10 people and one person get healed than pray for none and see nothing. I would rather fumble along in my faith and do something imperfectly than do nothing perfectly. And that's when I learned a valuable lesson. Failure 
is not an intruder to my faith. Failure is an ingredient to my faith. You know what I feel pulsating in my spirit? The Lord has forgiven us. The Lord has restored us. But you're still human and you're going to fail and that's okay. I want to give somebody in this room the liberty to stumble. The liberty to fumble. The liberty to not always get it right. The liberty to have some failure. Because this is what I realized. God can let your failure and your faith have a duet. Jesus didn't look at Peter and said, I pray that you would be flawless. I pray that you would have it all together. I pray that you wouldn't make any mistakes. He said, I pray that your faith would fail not. You know what that means? To utterly fail. He said, I don't mind you having a few moments of failure. I just don't want you to have a life of failure. And one of the greatest things that will stop you from being used by God after this meeting is when you come face to face with failure. When it doesn't take place. When it doesn't happen. When it doesn't occur. Jesus looked at Peter. Said I prayed for you. I prayed for you. That your faith wouldn't fail. I didn't pray that you wouldn't fail. I just, I just pray that you wouldn't utterly fail. Because in case you didn't realize in just a few. In just a little while. The, the rooster's going to crow not once. Not twice. But three times. And you are going to deny me. He didn't understand the significance of the moment. But Jesus was trying to convey to him, your failure is not an intruder into the recipe. It is an ingredient of the recipe. Your failure does not have to drive you away from an apostolic, anointed, powerful ministry. What happens? The Bible says he denies them. Doesn't just deny them once. Doesn't just deny them twice. He denies them three times. And the Bible says that the Lord looks at him. Who is the Lord? He's God. Who is God? God is love. So the first thing that Peter saw after his mistake was love looking at him. And I would love to impress you and I would love to tell you that I've never gotten it wrong. And I, I would love to tell you that I've marched forward in faith. But I've, I've had to stumble my way through some stuff and figure some stuff out. Because not everything spiritual is automatic. I remember showing up to a conference and the Lord spoke to me. And, you know, it'd be, it'd be really great if you just got it right the first time. But I remember the Lord speaking to me. He said, uh, I want you to take all the cash in your wallet and I want you to go give it to a, uh, a church planner. Oh man, no problem. I'm a, I'm a millennial. We only carry credit cards. And so I just I pulled out my wallet. And Brother Jim, I just went overseas. And so I had taken out some cash for an emergency. And would you believe there was no emergency? I had taken out a thousand dollars in cash for emergency. 
How stupid is that? I've never done it before or after. Because you got to have a thousand to have an extra thousand. And so I started pulling out. I started counting 100, 200, 300, $800. I felt the weight of demonic oppression. I said, God, if I miss this, that's a lot of Chick-fil-A. But then something in my spirit started bowing up. Something snapped in my spirit and said, wouldn't you like to tell God how much you want to hear his voice? And wouldn't you like to waste some money just proving to him that you're hungry to be a part of what he's speaking and what he's... I took out the money. I ran to him. I said, hey man, I just want to bless you. And I put the money in the palm and I ran away because I was afraid I was going to take it back. The next night, the next night, see, I, I, let, I let all the mysterious, super spiritual people say what they want. I'm just, I'm just got to be landing, okay? Can I just be landing? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't say I was anointed. I'm awkward. <laughs> and so, and so, and so all of a sudden, I get a text the next night. He said, what you don't realize, and I had been thinking about this. I was like, Brother Milton, I was like, why a thousand? Couldn't we, couldn't we have bumped it down to maybe $299? Um, why, 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 why 800, not a thousand? Why, why not a thousand or why not a few hundred? Why, why 800? He texted me the next night and he said, hey man, thank you so much. I, 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 wanna, I wanna thank you for what you did. You don't realize I gave that exact amount sacrificially last night. I'll just be honest, I was told to speak under the, office, the auspices of, of impartation, and that's a really big word that I had to go look up. And I started looking in my life for where there was impartation. And there's been powerful prayers prayed over me. There's been powerful prophecies prayed over me. But you know what the Lord began to deal with me before I had anybody teaching me or showing me? Love. And then you got up last night and you imparted love. And maybe I'm wrong. If, I, if I'm wrong, then forgive me. But I'm not worried about imparting something to you. I'm wondering if you're going to go home and impart something to someone else. But you're not going to be able to do it under fear. But perfect love casts out fear. It doesn't cast out your failures. It casts out your fear of failure. When you make a mistake, love is going to look at you and say you're growing, you're stretching, you're coming a little further. Come on, keep doing it. You're still anointed. You're still powerful. You're still Peter. So I tried to study my life, looking for moments of impartation, and I found moments of failure. But I didn't stop at the failure. I had somebody praying for me. There was a prayer room in heaven saying, don't let Landon give up. There's still destiny on them. They're still calling on them. But it's not going to be void of mistakes and messing up and failures. So all of a sudden, what does... What just, is, is this okay? What does Peter do? 
The Bible says after he denies him, he goes out and he weeps bitterly. Can I just preach to the millennial generation? Am I still a millennial? I'm a millennial whether you want me to be or not. Thank you very much. The millennials are feelers. They are feel. Oh, we. <laughs> we are feelers. And the Bible says that Peter wept emotion and he went out direction. There's a problem when your emotion takes you in a different direction than your destiny. You see, I, man, I, I'm just a young dude and I just uh, turned a certain age. And I had a guy the other day text me. He said, man, I want you to be a mentor. I said, like, we're going to be best buds? Oh, no, no, I want to be a mentor. I said, man, call your pastor, talk to him and, you know, whatever. And, and if you call me or text me, I'll, I'll try to help you as best as I can. But I, 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 I have a problem because I have people come to me as if I, because I get up and see a healing or one of my friends or a great powerful ministry sees a healing or sees someone get the Holy Ghost. I didn't feel fear. And I didn't experience failure. Faith is not a feeling. Faith is an action. And I cannot tell you how many times Dr. Myers, I have ascended the steps of a platform, shaking in fear, having battled suicidal thoughts the night before, wondering if God was even going to heal a fly. But I out-actioned my feeling. Because faith is not a feeling, faith is an action. So while I felt fear, I spoke faith. And while I felt suicidal thoughts, I prayed faith. Because my feelings are not going to determine my direction. My emotion is not going to drive my ministry. Come on, millennials. We got to stop following our heart, stop following our feelings, and start following God's agenda. Even if we don't see it or feel it. Lift up your hands all across this house for just a moment. Come on, you're still going to feel fear after this conference. You're still going to experience failure after this conference. But what you feel is not who you are. Be seated for just a moment. Look unto me, for I am God. 
Come on, would you make that word personal for just a moment? God wants, you're a piece of this. You're a piece of this. You don't have to be all of this. God just needs you to be a piece of this. Stay with me for just a moment. I'm almost done. Musicians, come. Brother Kevin, come. I want you to stay with me for just a moment. Because, I, I, again, forgive me if, I'm, if I don't want to step out of my assignment. But I believe God loves somebody so much in this house that he asked me to speak to what would happen when you leave this house. Because if not careful, you know what you're going to do? You're going to do what Peter does. You see, he's supposed to walk up to someone and say, Such as I have, give I thee. But until you've been broken, and until you've had failure, until you've had humility, you're not going to impart, you're going to infect. Because he looks around, Peter, the preacher, Peter, the apostolic, and he looks around and says, I go a fishing. And all of a sudden, I go a-fishing turns into we go a-fishing because it matters the voices that you have in your life. Oh my, this is just bonus, but there's a lot of YouTube preachers and a lot of Facebook gurus. You might can maybe, just maybe, out-preach my pastor, but you can't out-anoint him. Because God didn't assign YouTube guy over my life. And God didn't put the Facebook guru over my life. And... and you know what the Bible says? He goes back. He goes back. To what he knows to do, to what he can compute, to what is logical. He goes back to fishing. Goes back to what he's an expert at. What he can perform in the flesh. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says, Brother Myers, they went forth. You need to have discernment in 2020. That not all progress is progress. Go back and read it. It says they went forth. You can be going forward, but be going backward. There's a whole lot of backsliding that's called progress. There's a whole lot of carnality that's called going forward. If they can game with you, but they can't pray with you, you're not going forward with them. You're going backward with them. If they'll sleep around with you, but they won't have an all-night prayer meeting with you, you're not going forward. You're going backward. If they can sip Starbucks with you, but so discord about you, you're not going forward. You're going backward. Oh, you know what happens with Austin? The Bible says they go to fish. I love it. They fish all night. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says they catch nothing. Oh, that's called grace. They caught nothing. 
They caught nothing. And I, 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 I don't know if I want to say this as prophecy, but some of you are going to leave here and you're going to be frustrated. And it's the grace of God that you're going to be frustrated because you're going to try to go back to what you know to do. But when you've been an eyewitness of his glory, when you've been an eyewitness of his power, when he's spoken over you, you can't go back. I said you can't go back. I don't have time. Jesus, be seated for just a moment. Jesus, Jesus calls him to the shore. He comes to the shore. Jesus has a fire. You know what he says? Peter, do you love me? Yeah. Peter, do you love me? Yeah. Peter, do you love me? For reals? Yeah. I think you know. He said, feed my sheep. Wait, what? I've denied you. Oh, yeah. And what? Oh, oh, yeah, that... I calculated your failure into the equation. Oh, that denial? Oh, that was just an ingredient. I didn't pray that you wouldn't fail. I just prayed that your... Come on, millennials. Some of us are looking around where we don't understand why we're failing. There are pioneers that failed more than you. But you know what we do? We internalize it. And we let what we do when we fall become who we are. And Jesus said, I didn't pray that you wouldn't fail. I prayed that you wouldn't live a failure. Do you love me? Yeah. Do you love me? Yeah. Do you love me? Yeah. Feed my sheep. Wait, what, what do you want me to impart? Strengthen the brothers. Feed my sheep. If you love me, you're going to give. Because you can't love without giving. And you can't give without loving. For God so loved the world that he imparted. God so loved the world that he did miracles. God so loved the world that he... You know the quickest way I found how to be used by God? Be seated for just a moment. You know how I, I, I found out to be used by God? Bishop already said this. Stole my thunder. He said, you walk into a room. And you love someone. I'm not boasting. But I, 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 unless I'm forgetting, mate, if, if I could get credit, credit, I would. But... If you just start asking God some stuff, he'll start telling you some stuff. What did David say? One thing have I desired, and that will I seek. What? That I may dwell in the house of the Lord and behold his beauty and, and inquire. You want to worship God? Ask some questions. Step into a sanctuary and say, God, what are you going to do? How are you going to do it? Because I think somewhere in Psalms it says he showed his acts to Israel, but he made his ways known to a whole lot of church people seeing what God is doing. There's very few people that know why he's doing it and what he's about to do next. 
You want to be spiritual? You want to be used by God? Step into a sanctuary and say, God, who are you going to touch? Who are you going to bless? That's what Billy Cole said. He just said, I'd ask, I just asked God what he's going to do, where he's going to do it, when he's going to do it, and I RSVP. If you just ask God some stuff, he'd start telling you some stuff. And so I remember, I, I remember what, being in the sanctuary. Is this okay? I remember being in a sanctuary. I'm almost done. I was in a sanctuary and I, I felt that move. God was getting ready to speak. Tongues interpretation. And I waited. Nobody yielded. All of a sudden, in my young heart, my, I just started thinking, it's not going to be an edification for the body of Christ. God's, nobody's allowing him to speak. I felt heaven tap me on the shoulder. I said, oh, hey, hey, that's not my gift. That's so-and-so's gift, and she's in the nursery. I, 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 I'm not deep. I'm not spiritual. If I'm wrong, pastor, bishop, correct me. I've met a lot of people that said, oh, that's not my gift. I found out in my life that's code language for you just weren't hungry for it. Because every gifting that I've ever operated in was either through hunger or love. I either studied it, sought it out, prayed for it, or I walked into a room and love said, nobody's allowing God to speak. And so God said, hey, can I use you? Because if you can operate in love, I can trust you. God loves everybody. He doesn't trust everybody. You know that aunt that shows up to the reunion? You love her, but you ain't eating her food. God's love is unconditional. His trust is not. But Proverbs 31 says the heart of her husband does safely trust in her. God is trusting his bride in new ways. And he's trusting this millennial generation in new ways. Stand to your feet. Holy Ghost. So, when you mess up, when you make a mistake, it doesn't have to be detrimental. It doesn't have to be life-defining. It doesn't have to be ministry-ending. Do you love me? Yeah. Do you love me? Yeah. Do you love me? Yes. You denied me once. You denied me twice. You denied me three times. If you can let me love you as much as you denied me, I can use you. Hear me. I'm done. Peter, you're going to deny me. But then the rooster is going to crow. He's going to signal the start of a new day. And Peter, you're powerful, but you're still human. You're anointed, but you're still human. And just when you make a mistake, there's going to be new mercy for your mistake. I'm not advocating for sin. I'm not advocating for living a life of failure. But I'm telling you, if you leave here thinking that you'll never fail or mess up again, you're going to miss out on being used by God. 
Because God did not allow you to be an angel with a halo. He allowed you to be a human with flaws. But Peter, I know the sound of the mistake is haunting. I know you can hear it ringing and echoing in your brain. But there's another sound that you're going to hear. Hell's going to haunt you with your mistakes. He's going to haunt you. He's going to haunt you with condemnation. He's going to haunt you with who you were in the past. But there is another sound coming, Peter. And it's the sound of a mighty rushing. Somebody needs to make up in their mind. You're going to get the guilt out of your head. You're going to get the gospel in your mouth. And you're going to allow Pentecost. Would you step into this altar with your hands lifted all across this house for just a moment. We're about to enter into the next segment of this service. We're about to have a powerful panel. My assignment is very simple. My assignment is very, very simple. Thomas doubted Jesus. Somewhere along, he became Thomas the doubter. Peter denied Jesus. But he became Peter the preacher at Pentecost. You cannot allow what you feel to determine who you are. You've got to repent. You've got to get up. You've got to be restored. You've got to have unity and stand with the eleven and preach Pentecost. And when you can be broken, and when you can stumble and get back up, you won't impart yourself. You impart the healing that flowed over you. The rooster's not going to stop crowing. The mistakes in your past are not going to disappear. The sins of your the sins of your youth are not going to be erased. But the loudest sound of a rooster is about 140 decibels. But when the wind comes, <laughs> condemnation never stops shouting. But when the wind comes, when prophecy comes, when Pentecost I just need you to throw up your hands. I need you to lift up your voice and tell God, I'm not going to let failure stop me. I'm not going to let insecurity stop me. I'm not going to let fear stop me. Come on, that's my simple assignment. That's my simple assignment. Would you lift up your hands all across this house? Come on, Peter. You're a piece of this. You're a piece of this. You're a, with your flaws and all, with your mistakes and all. I just need to know if you can love. I just need to know if you can strengthen. I just need to know that you can feed my sheep. Accept the challenge. Accept the call. Make up in your mind. You're going to be a part of Pentecost.